Boston and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, the Star Talk Report, produced by Keith Hubbard, highlights the positions of Jupiter and Saturn in the evening sky. Sullivan County's Poet Laureate, Eric Balin, inspires us with word fun from his participation in the Jeffersonville Jamboree back in September. In her segment Now You Know, Stephanie Phillips visits the Bashakill Winery and continues her conversation with owner Paul Danino. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. A federal appeals court is temporarily reinstating a law in Texas that effectively bans abortion. The decision comes after a lower court suspended the law. The legislation prohibits the procedure at around six weeks of pregnancy. The emergency order puts the law back into effect for now, pending a review of the state's appeal. Federal authorities are moving ahead with their investigation into the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol building. NPR's Ryan Lucas reports more than 600 people have been charged. The Justice Department says the Capitol riot investigation is one of the largest in American history. The FBI is still identifying and arresting suspects across the country believed to have breached the Capitol on January 6th as Congress was certifying Joe Biden's election win. Of the 630-plus people who have been charged so far, nearly 100 have pleaded guilty, most of them to misdemeanor charges, although some to felonies. At this point, roughly a dozen individuals have been sentenced to either probation or shorter stints in prison. At least five more capital riot defendants are scheduled to be sentenced in the coming week. Ryan Lucas, NPR News, Washington. President Biden is set to address the conclusion of the Democratic National Committee's virtual fall meeting today. NPR's Amy Held reports the president's remarks come amid mounting criticism from members of his own party. Former DNC chair Terry McAuliffe, running to be Virginia's governor again, is also speaking at the meeting. After saying this week that Biden's unpopularity is posing a challenge to his candidacy, Biden's approval rating has fallen to a 38 percent low. Poll respondents cite dissatisfaction with his handling of Afghanistan, immigration and the economy, all issues that could play out in next month's gubernatorial elections in Virginia and New Jersey, as well as next year's midterms. That's NPR's Amy Held reporting. A new poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation shows that 80 percent of Americans believe the coronavirus is here to stay. NPR's Ping Wong reports the survey also shows that many health officials agree. U.S. health officials once hoped that getting everyone vaccinated quickly could rid the country of COVID. Now, with vaccine refusal and changing variants, that vision is out of reach. Dr. Melinda Wharton, a top CDC official, says in the best-case scenario... We have limited outbreaks. We don't have the kind of demand on the healthcare system we've been seeing for the last year and a half. That's probably the best we can do at this point. In other words, people will die from COVID every year, but it won't overwhelm the hospitals. A Kaiser poll shows that most people in the U.S. accept that the virus is here for the foreseeable future. But 15% still think COVID could go away like polio. 
That hope is more prominent among the unvaccinated. Ping Huang, NPR News. This is NPR News. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wall and Popic, Downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, Sullivan County's poet laureate Eric Balin inspires us with word fun. Eric took the time to speak with us during the Jeffersonville Jamboree in mid-September. Stephanie Phillips continues her conversation with Bashakill winery owner Paul Danino in her segment Now You Know. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with a Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. For Farm and Country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Jupiter, Saturn, and the waxing gibbous moon will create a triangle in the sky on Thursday. The trio will be in the south-southeast at nightfall. Jupiter and Saturn will be 18 degrees apart, or just shy of the width of two fists held out at arm's length. At sundown, the moon will be 4 degrees below the two planets and will be equidistant from both. Jupiter will be to the left of the moon and will also be the brighter of the two planets. Jupiter will outshine Saturn by 18 times. The three heavenly bodies will maintain their respective distances from each other throughout the night, but their positions relative to each other will change. At sunset, Jupiter and Saturn will form a line parallel to the horizon with the moon below the line. As evening progresses, Jupiter and the Moon will appear to rotate clockwise about Saturn. Around 9.20 p.m., the Moon and Saturn will form a line parallel to the horizon in the southern sky with Jupiter to the upper left of the Moon. Around 12.20 a.m., with Saturn just above the southwestern horizon, the Moon and Jupiter will form a line perpendicular to the horizon with Jupiter above the Moon. Look toward the southern sky between sundown and midnight on Thursday to see Jupiter, Saturn, and the waxing gibbous moon create a triangle in the sky. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. I had the opportunity to meet Eric Balin, Sullivan County's Poet Laureate, back in mid-September when he participated in the Jeffersonville Jamboree on Main Street. Main Street in Jeffersonville was lined up with visitors enjoying events that included 
horse-drawn carriage rides, a tractor parade, and the annual rubber duck race in the creek. Eric was available at the table hosted by the Western Sullivan Public Library, and he was generous with his time for our Farming Country radio listeners. Hello, everybody. I'm Eric Balin, and I am a uh, poet, artist. I live in North Branch, just a few miles here from Jeffersonville, and I've been living in the county off and on for 25 years and uh, moving here permanently this year. Very much looking forward to being a full-time resident. Well, we welcome you to our community, and it sounds like you've been moving around our community quite a bit. I've seen samples of your work uh, in Calicoon. I've heard some of your poetry, and because I went to your webpage, ericbalin.com, I saw your big presence you're bringing your past profession into the present moment as a gift to the community, wanting to inspire folks, introducing them to poetry. Let's start with that transition. Well, I taught for over 50 years, and I taught visual art. But one of the things I did in my school, I realized about mm, almost 20 years ago, that we needed poetry in the school. So at faculty meetings, for instance... I would stand up and just read a poem that I'd written from the summer. And uh, at first it was just a trial balloon, and people came up and said, Ah, oh, that was great. And so I just took it upon myself to keep reading poems at faculty meetings, because faculty meetings could be, oh, well, you might say a little boring sometimes. And so a poem would take people into a different space, and it would give them a chance to breathe in a different way. And then I also wrote songs, and I got the faculty to sing songs at faculty meetings. So I'm bringing all that here to Sullivan County poetry and singing. So I'm finding ways of doing that at these various events. Well, I see that you have a bunch of papers in your hand, uh, maybe samples of some of these events. What would you like to share right now? Well, I'm, I'm inviting people at the Jeff Denbury to help me write a song about Jeffersonville. And I started the song, and I'm hoping people will help me uh, add verses. I could actually sing the first verse if you'd like. Okay, let's start. Okay, here we go. This is a first. Okay. You can do most anything in Jeffersonville. You can stroll by the creek. You can climb some hills. You can buy a bagel or a power drill. You can do most anything in Jeffersonville. Cake at the bake shop, Danish with prune, lo mein and egg rolls down at balloon, pizza, pasta, anything goes when you head down to Michelangelo's. Oh my, I love that. And how do we work in, as long as you're listening to 90.5 FM radio, radio Catskill? There we go. Uh, uh, it's coming alive. <laughs> Okay, Eric, thanks. What else do you have in your list there? I could read another poem. Here's one about listening to summer rain. How about that one? Yes, we've had a lot of summer rain lately. And it's a nice sound, I have to agree. I do sit on the porch, a screened-in porch, and listen to it. It's one of those mindful moment joys. You're a fellow rain listener. Very good. So this is called Listening to Summer Rain. I had finally gathered myself from perfectly quiet into working mode. The morning list had been made, after all, and summer sloth is not good for my soul, tempting as it is. 
Slowly, I moved into the yard for another round of weeding and carting garden refuse to the compost heap. Worthy summer work and worthy of its place on the list. Minutes into my efforts, a barely audible sprinkle began. A bare dusting of spray, just enough to be delightful. The cloud had eased overhead with no warning, as quietly as I had eased into the garden. The drops grew larger, more insistent. This was no errant passing cloud missing its mark. This was the mother cloud, squarely overhead, aiming its bounty at my small plot of earth. I quickly drew to the front steps. My work interrupted. I sat and listened to the rain. Was there anything better to do? The world of my garden served the moment as the rain's timpani section. Hollow plunks on buckets, tinny wraps on metal, a thick wash of staccato splashes on the walkway, and a forest chorus of soft leaf splatters. A symphony of water. I watched the distant hill vanish into the thick gray mist, erased for a time, along with my list of things to do. Then, as quietly as it had arrived, the shower began its slow diminuendo. The traveling minstrel cloud had offered its music here and was taking its show on the road. That was very lovely. It sounds as though a lot of your poetry is based on mindfulness. Tell me about that part of you. Well, that's a hugely important part of my life. I'm a meditator. I meditate every morning. And through meditations, I've learned to just pay attention to the smallest moment. And when you pay attention to one small moment, it can open up a world. It can quiet your mind and make you that much more attentive to what's right in front of you. And that's a real gift. I realize that you're uh, an avid gardener. Do you have something you'd like to share at this bountiful time of year as summer gives way to autumn? Here's one about deadheading. Any gardener who, who loves flowers knows that you can keep those flowers blooming by snipping off those blossoms, and uh, it's called deadheading. Poem about deadheading. Some plants might enjoy the practice, a chance to bloom on, might quietly thank the prudent gardener for this second chance to show their stuff. But others, I wonder, if zealous love for blooming things might tax them. Let me get on to the seeds, man. Let me get on with it. I'm done blooming, bloomed out. Please, not another blossom. I have my program, got my cycle. Need to get on with fruiting, ripening, seeding, preparing for withering and fading away in my own time. I'm weary of blooming for the world. Those clippers are stealing my soul. Let me be. Let me be. Oh, beautiful. I not only deadhead, but I see that as an opportunity to save seeds. One of the things that I find joy in gardening is saving the seeds from one year and 
transplanting them in the spring and watching them reseed themselves. Marigolds are great for that. Zinnias, too. These seeds are remarkable. Imagine that tiny little thing. And some of those seeds are just infinitesimally small, and they bear this this life that's just going to emerge and, and grow and grow and grow. It's phenomenal. Well, it's science, nature, it's life. It tr- truly is. The day's activity culminated on the bridge with Eric reading his poem inspired by the lively participants of the annual rubber duck race. Jeff Jem's secretary, Linda Rajlewski, introduces Sullivan County poet Eric Malin on the bridge site of the duck race over the Calicoon Creek in Jeffersonville. Good afternoon, everybody. If you could just have your attention for just a minute while we're waiting for the ducks to come down, I'd like to introduce you to Sullivan County's poet laureate. He's come today to read a poem for this occasion. Yes. So pray tell. Okay. Entitled simply, The Jeff Jamboree Duck Race. (laughs) The squadron of duckies swirls through the creek. They've trained for a decade. Well, maybe a week. (laughs) Yellow and orange ones, a blue one or two. They race with the best. Oh, they certainly do. Rounding the rapids, they bob and they float. The race of a lifetime, it's history. Take notes. And who will survive the cascading waves? Only the strongest, the mighty, the brave. Watch as the water just rolls off their backs and cheer on your ducky with shouts or with Quacks! The champion enters the Duck Hall of Fame. You better believe it, for this is no game. You watched the Olympics. You've seen all the best. Well, the Jamboree Duck Race compares with the rest. So take your positions wherever you're at. The ducks are now ready. Hold on to your hat. I'm going to go put them in the water now. You can check out Eric Balin on the Radio Catskill webpage and look for him as he travels through Sullivan County with his poetry experience. And now we'll wait for the slowest duck. The pokey one. The pokey duck. Oh, yeah, the last one gets a prize. Stephanie Phillips with Now You Know for Farm and Country. I'm in Wurtsboro at Bashakill Vineyards today. Ten beautiful acres at the edge of the Bashakill Wildlife Refuge. My guest is Paul Danino, who established this vineyard here in Wurtsboro 14 years ago. How big is the vineyard and do you have an, a formal relationship of any kind with the Bashakill Wildlife Refuge? 
Yes, at one time we were about four acres. A few years ago we did have a lot of winter damage and I did get a lot of disease in half my vines and we had to rip out pretty much one half of the variety. So we're going to be doing a lot of replants. But on a good year we can actually grow about four tons of grapes on the property. That's just off our Cayuga, and then we get a couple tons off our Marquette vines as well. They're a little bit smaller berries, so they don't yield as much as the Cayuga. So it's going to be a little time before we get up to those numbers again. So you grow all your own grapes, or do you also purchase some grapes? Oh, we also purchase grapes. I do about five trips up to the Finger Lakes, and I also do about two trips down to the North Fork of Long Island. I actually like the North Fork run because I'll leave here at 3 in the morning. I get there about 6.37. I drop my trailer off, but I love surf casting, so I'll go right out to the point, and that's called a fall run for a lot of the striped bass and the fishing and the albies. So I get to do a little fishing. Then next morning I'll pick up my trailer that the guys, they'll have it all loaded with grapes, and then I drive it back, and then I'll have my crew waiting here, and then we'll get right to crushing them. Grapes, you actually want to process them right away. So each, it's a fresh food, perishable. So for the best quality wine, you want to get it right into the crusher. Paul, how difficult is it to make wine? Could people do it at home if they have grapevines? Did you do it before you established your real commercial vineyard? Well, anyone can make wine. I would suggest if you're going to start making wine, there's a great book. It's called Grapes and Wine by Philip Wagner. It's, it's really excellent. And the first batch of wine I did, and it's really helpful, is buy a concentrate, like a winemaking kit. And that's why you just see the process of how it ferments before you start the second batch with regular grapes. But it's a really good way to, to start out. There's also classes you can take from Cornell. Really helpful. They can really get into the chemistry. It's a really fun home hobby to do. I gather you need some equipment. I can't just take my grapes and throw them into a bottle on the kitchen counter. Yes, you will eventually need some equipment. You could start off with some glass carboys to do like five-gallon batches. You'll need some type of small little crusher, a little press, and a pump to at least start you off. And a couple carboys you'll need because you have to rack the wines too. That's like a way of filtering it. After it settles, you're gonna. there's usually three rackings per life of, a, of making a wine. And that's a way of, of filtering. You're pumping the clean wine off the lees or the, the, the sediment. I see. So the pump is for taking off the top and leaving the sediment behind. Yeah, so pretty much the pump is going to be used for that. You can also gravity feed if you have it set up on tables, and you can use gravity for it as well. But a a nice pump will definitely be handy for winemaking. For the home winemaker, what can go wrong? Sanitation is probably the biggest thing you want to just really make sure everything is clean. And after the first primary fermentation, that's really the only time you want air into the wine to blow off any off flavors. When you're racking the wine, you want to not aerate it too much. That's one of the biggest problems people have is they aerate it, let too much headspace. Also, another thing is you always want to add yeast nutrients. When the yeast eats the sugar, it makes alcohol and carbon dioxide, but it also needs nutrients. You can get H2S and some byproducts and off smells, off flavors, and they make organic ones too. But that, that's a, a mistake that a lot of home winemakers do. And why does it turn into vinegar sometimes? Uh, you had too much oxygen, unless you want to make vinegar. <laughs> Paul, how long does it take from picking the grapes until you have wine that's ready to drink? Within a year, you can do for the white wines. Red wines, I really, truly believe not to rush them and 
hold them two years before they're ready to drink. It really makes a big difference as the wine ages, especially in the cork, you're letting a little bit of oxygen through there, just a slight amount, and that's going to soften the wine. You'll lose a little of the fruit flavors, but it'll really mellow it out. It makes the tannins a little more mild, and you'll, you'll see a big difference in the quality. That two years, is that in the barrels or is it in the bottles? When is that two years happening? We do two years in the barrel, but you can also do it in the bottle. And you got to also be careful if you're using a newer barrel or using oak, you don't over-oak it. So especially a new barrel, you do not want to put too much oak. And within four months, that new barrel is going to impart way too much oak. So I usually mix some newer barrels with older barrels. So you get a blend of it. You can also age it in the bottle as well. Paul, what kinds of wines do you produce and what makes them different one from the other? We do about eight to nine different wines, depending each year. We do some sparkling wines. Everyone's got different tastes, so we try to make all different wines. I personally don't drink semi-sweet wines, but we still produce them. So we do some semi-sweets. We do some dry, a lot of Germanic styles, since we do have a similar climate to Germany. All a Germanic style is is... We have a, a stronger acidity. We don't do the malolactic fermentation of that, and we just balance it with a little sweetness, kind of like a typical Riesling. Again, you can do those dry or uh, sweet as well. Uh, we do a Chardonnay that I really love. We do a sparkling rosé. They call it Pet Knot Rosé, and that's from our grapes, and that's naturally fermented in the bottle. One of our Cayuga wines we infused with uh, organic lavender from a local farm. It's Winterton Farms right in Bloomingburg. And we infused our Cayuga with uh, organic lavender. So that's been really popular. All my reds, I do not do any sweet reds. I did make one port one year, and uh, we actually aged it five years in the barrel. I haven't made that in a while. And reds, we all age for a minimum of two years. And we do a Merlot, we do a Cabernet Sauvignon, we do a Cab Franc. Cab Franc's a really popular grape in this area, in the Hudson Valley and uh, Southern Catskills. It grows really well. When I think of German wine, I think of like Liebfrau milk, which is really different. Well, there's different varieties, like you know, like Gewurztraminer, there's Blaufrankisch, there's a lot of different varieties. But they have a similar climate to us, and they also have a similar growing season. So we'll get similar acidity levels, and that's why we grow. Riesling was, I think they were calling it New York's uh, signature grape. That, which is uh, Cab Franc, which is not a German grape, but it also grows really well in New York. Paul, how many employees do you have, and what are the different functions that they do? We have seven employees. Six of them are our staff that work in the winery. They go from handling customers to doing wine tastings to labeling. They do it all. I have one gentleman that helps me in the field. That It's kind of my right-hand man that does pretty much everything from crushing grapes to vineyard work. And each year we always get some part-time workers as well. Where do you sell your wine? We do sell at a couple of local restaurants, a couple of uh, local liquor stores. But the amount of wine we produce, we mostly sell, I'd say, 90% right out of our winery here. People come, we're open uh, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Well, Fridays through September, and then Saturdays and Sundays, we go right up to the holidays in December. If we want to find you, what's your website? Go to www.bashakillvineyards.com or just Google Bashakill, Bashakill Vineyards. It'll pull right up. 
You have to spell vineyards right. I had that problem. Yes. <laughs> Everyone forgets that E. <laughs> so now you know that you could make wine yourself. Or you could get it from Paul Danino, owner of Bashakel Vineyards, who explained how to do it on today's show. I'd welcome your ideas for future Now You Know segments. Just email me at stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at wjffradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country. you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guest, the current Sullivan County Poet Laureate Eric Balin and Paul Danino, owner of the Bashakill Winery. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org Sunday Stage here on Radio Catskill features live performances from the third annual Porch Fest in Calicoon, New York. I'm Kathy Geary, and I heard all kinds of music from blues and folk to rock 